ourselves, are we, I mean, the, the question that I want to put, propose to you is, are you the father in this parable? Are you the lost son in this parable? Or are you the brother in this parable? So many times I think I can somewhat identify with the lost son. That I get blessed and I get blessed and then, you know, things happen and then all of a sudden I, I want something more. I'm, I, that word want there actually means to that he is in need of something. Uh, it's, it comes from another word that we, use, we don't use very much. It's in our songbooks and in the word of God. It's word wanton. Uh, and it means that you have need of something. So he, became, he came to a state where he is in need. He probably needs food. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing that he needs is he spent so much of his money that he didn't have any food. And not only that, he goes on to say that he found a citizen of that country and he sent him to the fields to feed the swine. And he would fain, uh, he, and he would have fain have filled his belly with the husk that the swine did eat and no man gave unto him. So nobody was willing to help this guy out at all. So what kind of reputation do you think he probably built while he was out there? Not, not, nobody would be willing to give him just a little piece of bread because he's about to have an epiphany is what is about to happen. He's about to remember, I'm a servant to this man who sent me out to feed the swine and I can't get any, they won't even give me the husk of the same feed that was given to the pigs to eat. Nobody would even give him that, yet he remembered his father. And in remembering his father, he says, and when he came to himself, he said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare and I perish with hunger. He's basically saying, my, I'm a servant right now and they won't even give me anything, but my father had servants and they have enough bread to spare and yet they're still servants. So he's kind of remembering a few things here. It says, I will rise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee and am nowhere worthy to be called thy son. That's where we get the words to the song that we sing. I'm not worthy to be called thy son. It comes from right here in this parable. That's why I, I want to also make sure that as I'm asking you about song numbers that I'm starting to identify some things that you understand. A lot of our songs come straight from the word of God. So he says, I'm not worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. Now I reckon that the father had a couple of choices in this moment. His father could have been angry that he gave his son all of the money that maybe was owed to him and then he went and wasted it. He could be very angry. In fact, I would have to say that I can identify with that in the sense of if I gave my son Levi, I mean, I, honestly, I'd get mad if he ate all my steak at night. I mean, that'd be about as easy to put it, but, uh, and he does. He, he, if I got steak on the table, he's just sitting there gnawing off my plate and Sammy's plate. But he spent all, and you could be angry about it and to the point where you just get so bitter, so mad, where your own family member, you just cast them away. Cast them away. A couple of moments in the last few weeks, I've, I've talked a lot with my, with my parents. And I've thought a lot about my own son. And I've thought about some of the trials and troubles that I went through with going through the teenage years and the college years and other stuff. But they never stopped loving me. And I have to remind myself that even when my own son makes me a little, gets me a little irritated, even at two and a half, he can really touch a nerve sometimes. Um, it's okay, y'all don't see that here. Y'all are like, how is that even possible? But y'all know, y'all know. But the, but the point that I'm getting to is that no matter what, he's always going to be my son. Now, think about that as your heavenly father. 
It doesn't matter what you do. Either you believe that the blood of Jesus Christ accomplished something or you believe it accomplished nothing. And the reason I say that is I know all of us are going to mess up. We're sinners. We've already identified as such. We know that we are sinners and you're going to have a mess up in your life. It could have been earlier on. It could be in your future. I don't know and it doesn't matter to me because you either believe that Jesus Christ cleansed you by the shedding of his blood and the payment and the redemption of sins was paid in full or you don't. You either do or you don't. It's that To me, it's that simple. So when somebody has a, an error in their ways, what are, I mean, what is your approach to that? I understand there's a place for judgment in the Scriptures in the sense of the Corinthian church had to place judgment on a man. They welcomed him back in the fold in, the second, uh, in second Corinthians. And actually Paul says, please welcome this man back before you cause over much sorrow to come over that brother because he was repenting. Okay, so let's get things in context. I understand discipline may have to happen. I understand correction needs to happen. But you know what? If we're not doing it in love and in kindness and grace and mercy toward our fellow brothers and sisters, then we are honestly, I just turn right over to the Apostle Paul and his letter to the Galatians and we have used the grace of God. We have, you know, uh, in vain really, he says don't, you know, and I'm just probably going to go grab it because I don't want to mess up the verse. Um... Excuse me, this morning. And I'm probably not going to find it, and that's okay. I do know where it says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. Don't frustrate the grace of God. If we are, we are called to be like Christ. That's why we call ourselves Christians. So what do we, what, I mean, if we're going to be like Christ, I'm going to be eating in the, in, in the presence of sinners. I'm going to be fellowshipping with those that are the lowliest parts of this earth because that's what Jesus did. And in doing that, I'm to love them. I think about the Samaritan woman often. She was, you go to her and you see her in the scripture in John chapter, I believe it's chapter 4, and you see that Jesus appears to her at Jacob's well and says, you know, where's thy husband? I have no husband. Thou hast said correct because you've had five husbands and the man you're currently with is also not your husband. Yet God used that woman to go message, send the message into the city of Samaria where people came out of that city to see Jesus and many believed because of the testimony of the woman until they met Jesus face to face and they said we no longer have to believe your testimony because we've seen Jesus face to face and we believe because we see him. So I ask you today, I, who do you identify as in the scriptures? Who are you? Are you? I want to continue to read this. And I want to grab one last picture here. And I know I'm running short on time. But so I will, we'll try to keep going. He says, and, the, uh, and the, so, but when he was, uh, he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. And in thy sight I am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put on a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring hither the fatted calf. And all I could sit there and think of a really fat cow. And y'all know I love steak and meat. And I love, I'm telling you, I, this, to be the fat, it wasn't, it wasn't the skinny cow. It was the big cow. And they were ready to feast. They were about to throw a party. And he says, and let us eat and be what? Merry. Be happy about it. 
His father had plenty of times to be, to be angry, but I want you to know something. The message is the same from the first parable to this final parable that Jesus is speaking is that there is rejoicing when one sinner, one sinner comes to repentance. I'm thankful that we have many sinners right here in our presence today that have all repented and wanted to follow after Christ, but you know what? Repentance isn't a one-time thing. Conversion is not a one-time thing. Look at the story of the, of the Apostle Peter and how many conversions that Peter had to have. I thought so much about uh, Brother Charles' sermon from last, uh, from either a Sunday or two ago, and he mentioned the fact that you had Peter that not only was willing to go into death for G with Jesus until he denied him thrice, then as when, at, at, at the time that he denied him the third time, him, his eyes met Jesus' eyes, and he felt sorrowful, guilty, and pain, and he still left. Then after the resurrection, after Jesus was buried, he arose again on the third day. Peter saw Jesus. And he still went fishing. Where does Jesus find him? He's in the boat. He's naked. He's fishing. He says, come on, Peter, come and dine. Come and eat. We are so much like each and every one of these that needs we're almost a daily dose of repentance, a daily dose of conversion. And you know what? The Lord rejoices and all the angels that are up in heaven with Him rejoice at the fact that we have repented and turned back to Christ. So why do we hold up our noses at repentance? Listen to what is about to happen. Because I can tell you, in my experience, most of us would probably identify more like the brother. And all I can say is, God help us. God forgive us for when we've done such things like that. And he says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. Now his elder son was in the field and he came and drew nigh to the house. He heard music and dancing. And he called one of his servants and asked, what, what, what these things you know, meant. You know, in other words, he, he's basically been out in the field work and he comes, here's the dancing, the merry, everybody's having a good time and a party. And he's like, What's going on here? And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him, begged him to come into the house. How often are we like this father that is begging others to forgive? And to get over and to be merry and to rejoice at the repentance when we find in, amongst, um, amongst our brothers and sinners, amongst our friends, those. He's begging his own son, say, it's okay, come on in, we're having a party. My son is gone, he was lost, but he's now been found. I'm, I'm thankful that he's come back home. And he answered and said to his father, lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. Father, I've served you. I've never once broken any rule you had. I did all the right things. Kind of reminds me of like the rich young ruler as he's talking right here. You remember the story of the rich young ruler where he basically says, you know, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, well, I've kept the law. I've done all these things. And Jesus is like, no, no, no. You got one thing. Go sell everything that you got. Come follow after me. This is sounding very similar to that mentality of, I've done everything right. I've had, how many of us are like, well, I've been in the church all my life. I've done here. I've been here. Oh, I, I don't want to switch song books and I don't want to do this because I've been here the longest and all this stuff. It doesn't matter if you've been here two days or it matter if you've been here 50 years. When God sees one 
repent and rejoice and come home, the angels just sing in heaven and rejoice at the coming of a sinner to repentance. And that is a beautiful picture. But you have this, you have this brother here that is, I've done it all right, and yet thou never even gavest me a kid. He killed the fatted, the fatted calf for the son that was lost. Father, you haven't even given me the, the calf. You haven't even killed the, a calf for me. But you gave the fatted calf to my brother who was lost. And never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as thy son is come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet or fit that we should make merry, and be glad, for this my brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. The reason I bring these things out this morning for you all here is I want us to really ask ourselves, who do we identify with? Are we, like, are, are we trying to be like Christ and putting on Christ and picking up our cross and following Christ? Are we acting like the Father that entreats and begs and wants others to rejoice at the seeing of repentance and at the, at the praising of God that another one has come home and realized that they wanted to change their life around? Or we like our brother that's like, well, I've been here for all, you know, all these years. I've been doing all self-righteous. It's more like a self-righteous mentality. And how many of us would truly just identify with the son, the lost son? I've done wrong. I've thought about it this way. The old saying is, well, I'd have done that different. In the handling of a situation. And some wise person says. Yeah but what if it was your son. Or what if it was your daughter. What if it was your brother. Or what if it was your sister. It's easy for us to look out. From a distance and be judgmental. Until it hits close to home. You know what I'm doing. Does that make sense this morning. I tell you, I want you to all be thinking about this throughout the week, about how we ought to be like Jesus and recognizing that we are in the presence of sinners and we're all sinners. But you know what? I rejoice at the fact that each and every day we're working with each other to try to make each other better. I know today I'll fail, but tomorrow I can do better. And the next day we can do better and we will all do better by holding each other up and not putting each other down. Continuing to overcome. I love those messages to the churches of Asia over in Revelations chapter 2 and 3 where it talks about overcome. We can get angry and bitter and depressed because our circumstance isn't always what we want it to be and we can just get down in the... I'm sorry but I just to say it, but you get so down in the dumps that you can't even see the forest for the trees. You get to a state where you're so unhappy and you don't, you don't realize that it's eating you like cancer. I can tell you growing up, I was not a very happy person. For some reason, I just had anger as a chip on my shoulder, and buddy, I loved it. But I tell you, I think I've learned that I like being happier a lot better, and I like being mad. And whether I, more than I like being sad. Elder Glenn Blanchard always used to come here, he'd always used to say this, A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You read it in Proverbs. 
being happy can make you uh, just just so much relief and stress can just fall off of you. We talk about over in Hebrews chapter 11 where it says, Lay aside every weight that does so easily beset you and looking unto Jesus, the author and finish of our faith. Lay it aside. Whatever's troubling you, lay it down. Let it go. Why? Because we ought to be exactly what, like in these parables that we just read, we ought to be rejoicing. We ought to be happy when we come here to worship. We ought to be worshiping, singing these praises and not worried about everything that happened this week. You know what? We can't go back and fix anything that happened this week. I, I don't have a vaccine that can automatically cure COVID and I don't have a way to help all these doctors and nurses that are on the front lines. I can, but you know what? If I sit here and just worry constantly about it, it will eat me until I'm sick to my stomach. But you know what I can do? I can rest on the fact that I have a God and I have a Savior that has cleansed all this world from all this wicked sin that is out there and one day He's coming back to get us. And there will be no more pain. There will be no more sadness or sorrow or any of those things, but we can rejoice. See, it'll be eternity of rejoicing there. But see, Jesus wants us to rejoice here. He doesn't want us to be so worried. So let's rejoice together. Who do you identify with? Give you something to think about. May God bless you. Come here. Uh, Tam, I appreciate the things Brother Derek uh, brought forth uh, this morning. Uh, uh, as some of you may see as we as I began to get into this this morning, uh, Brother Derek had mentioned back uh, during the week, you know, he said, uh, you know, as, as, we, as, as we think about things that whether it's him or, or myself or Brother Adam, you know, things that we, we have on our mind that we may be preaching about, you know, to share that with the uh, uh, with them, they'll put out put out a notice, you know, so that we can our song service kind of blends with what's the the subject that's on our minds. And I told Derek uh, yesterday, I think it was, I said, well, I'm not sure that what's on my mind fits very well with song service. I said, but uh, it's something that has been pressing on me for quite some time, and so we're going to try it. To, uh, try it. And what he brought forth this morning fits right with it, and, you, and you'll see that as we, as, uh, as we get into that this morning. But uh, as, I, as I look out on, on the world and what's going on, I'm just going to say this nation right now, where we are as a nation. And then I, as I've been talking here for several last couple of times, I've preached, been talking about discipleship and how we're to be disciples, followers of Jesus Christ, and what does it mean, to, you know, to take up your cross and follow Him? And as Brother Derek has mentioned this morning, uh, that that we're to our life is to be patterned more after His than after how we feel, <laughs> uh, how our flesh feels about things. I'll put it that way, and how our natural man feels about things. And so, uh, if we're going to be followers of Him, uh, then there's there's things that we need to both be doing uh, in an active sense to take up our cross and follow him. There's also things we need to not be doing <laughs> and that we need to be on guard from. And so as, as I'm looking out on some of the many things that are happening out across this nation, uh, and I thought about how do things get to be like, like that? And and, uh, and and so so I'm not trying to be like some mysterious discussion up here. <laughs> now, when I look at all the rioting and the and the looting and the things that are going on in the streets, and I'm like, how do how do people get to where they think that's okay? How do, how does that happen? And when I think about us as Christians 
as followers of Jesus Christ, I mean, what's the warning? What's the warning that we find in God's Word for us of how we get to some of that? And so, anyway, so my subject this morning, uh, if the Lord will bless for a little while, is anger and bitterness. Anger and bitterness. And, and how, what does the Scripture say about how we get over that. Because, see, it, it doesn't say that we're not going to ever be angry. Uh, it, what the Bible does say in Ephesians chapter 4, and, and we'll get to that because that's where I'm probably going to start to read at this morning. The, the Bible does say, be angry and sin not. It tells us that uh, there's, it recognizes that there's times when you're going to be angry. In fact, I, as I was thinking about some of this, I thought about another portion of Scripture. Uh, and uh, if we turn over to Psalms uh, chapter, uh, chapter 7, I think it is, uh, and look at verse 11, we'll find over there uh, this. And I'm just wanna, I want to turn over there and just read it real quickly to make sure, like Brother Derek was saying, I don't want to... Uh, uh, mess, th mess things up. But it says, God judgeth the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. So when we think about, so when we think about it, God's not happy with the wickedness of, of, of man. In fact, the Bible says God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. Uh, and it tells us, uh, and, I, and I look at this, and when it says for us to be angry and sin, how do you be angry and not sin? Well, there's a time when the Bible tells us to be, have a, uh, a, a uh, indignation, a righteousness, uh, a, a righteous anger, if you'll call it. When we see wickedness going on in this world, it's not, we're not to sit around and say, well, isn't that great? I'm being married today. Uh, no, we're to, we're to look at that and have an anger when we see the, the, the wickedness and the things that are going on in this world. There's something, if God has blessed you and you've been born of the Spirit of God, there's something that should well up in you that causes you to say, that's not right. And it angers me to see the things that are going on in this world. But... What it does not say is, okay, well, I'm going to be like, and I won't even be able to think the guy's name. I should have looked this up. was one of these thoughts that came to my mind this week. You know, uh, I don't want to be like the guy that came to Birmingham and bombed the abortion clinic because I'm against abortion. Okay? Uh, that's taking one thing and saying, you know what, I'm against abortion, but I'm going to turn around and become a killer myself. Uh, that's wrong. That's not how we're to react, but it doesn't mean we're to sit around and say, well, it's okay with me. However people want to do is all right with me. No, it's not. Uh, as a child of God, I should not be approving of every type of sin and sinful life that people are living. It ought to be something in me that, uh, that wells up and that causes me to say, that is wrong. But it doesn't mean I'm to go beat them over the head with a stick because it's wrong either. Okay, So I don't need to let my anger become sinful and then my witness is destroyed. Uh, but I am not to say, well, it's okay. I'm to speak up and say that is wrong. That is my anger being properly expressed and saying that is wrong. It shouldn't be that way. Okay, so let's turn over to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, God's angry with the wicked every day. And I, I think that's a point to make. See, is God's not happy with the wickedness of this world, and we're not to be happy with the wickedness of this world, and to be satisfied with it. 
Uh, we're not to go along with it and to indulge in it and to be a part of it. <clears throat> and uh, so what does it say? Well, and I'm going to give you the summary of some things here. In Ephesians chapter 4, uh, he's talking about uh, the gifts that God has given to the church. He's talking about uh, how uh, be, uh, with us being born again, how we're to react to various things. And we're to, as, uh, as uh, I guess the summary, <coughs> the uh, verse 24 of Ephesians chapter 4 says, uh, well, first of all, let's go back above that. He says in verse 23, uh, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay? So part of the way we're to renew ourselves is to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. In other words, to be hearing and listening to spiritually good things. That's how our mind stays fresh toward the things of God. If uh, <coughs> is to is to renew our mind with these things. And I could turn over to... Uh, uh, be not conformed to this world, be you transformed in, in Romans chapter 12. Uh, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're transform our thinking about things in this world. See, it, it comes natural to you and me to, uh, to be angry. That's our flesh. <laughs> that's, that's, how we, that's how we want to do, is, is it comes natural to us. And the only way we can overcome this is to have our mind, our programming, if you will, changed. And that uh, uh, the change begins by the new birth, and it's carried out then by learning what God would have us to do. So be renewed in the spirit of your mind that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, and true holiness. <clears throat> so being, being born again, our heart is changed, but it doesn't mean you automatically know what to do, right? And that, and that problem that a lot of Christians find in their life is that they, they've been born in the Spirit of God, they hear the gospel message that they've been saved by His grace, and they're like, wow, I want to get up and I want to follow Jesus. And they come forward, maybe and even profess that and confess that, and they want to be baptized and then they're like, what do I do now? What, what, what do I, where do I go? Well, there's an active part of what we do that, that we have to put on the new man. We have to find out, <clears throat> you know, we need to find out that we're the emperor, that we're naked, uh, uh, you know, and we need to find out we need new clothes on. Uh, we need to get rid of the old clothes and the old, the old way of doing things, and we have to, have to actually shed off some of that natural man uh, in order to put on the spiritual man. It takes an active work on our part. I'm not talking about, for all the, anyway, I'm not talking about what would, that we have to do something to be born again. That's a direct work of God in our hearts from above that he comes into our life and we're born again by the power of God. But I am saying that once we're born again and once we know that we want to take up our cross and follow Christ, how do I do that? What do, what do I do? So he says, uh, put ye on the new man, which, is, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting, put away, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. So there's a, uh, one thing we need to do is change our tongue. Our tongue needs to change. We need to quit telling lies and things that aren't true, and we need to put on truth, uh, 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 speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry, verse 26, and sin not. 
Uh, you know, you hear this at, you know, people yeah. counseling people of getting, getting married or so forth, you know. Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Well, uh, that is good advice for married couples. That's not, this is not to married couples. It just in particular. It's to all of us. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Why? Because the longer you sit and think about it, and the longer you mull it uh, in your mind, and the more you meditate on it in your heart, the more welled up and angry you get, and the more bitter you get about life, and you'll decide sooner or later, they've done me wrong, and I'm going to get them for it. It's how we work. Don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Why? Because the more you think about it, the more bitter and disgruntled and mad and angry you get about it. So he says, get rid of it every day. Uh, it does help marriages to do that. It also helps families to do that with their children. <laughs> it, helps, it helps families. Uh, and, and I'll tell you, uh, you can sit around and decide. That's what I was thinking about. You know, people have sat around and decided they did me wrong. And so I'm getting out in the street and I'm going to burn and I'm going to... And the more they thought about it, the madder they got. <laughs> but is that what the Bible tells us to do? Is that how the Bible tells us to react? Be, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If they had gotten rid of it every day and said, you know what? Brother Adam made this comment last Sunday uh, and uh, he, made the, he was talking about how we've been redeemed. They're talking in Ephesians chapter 1 that we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ and he was trying to explain I would, I would probably go a little different, a little, you know, than what he was talking about. That's, but it's okay because preachers are different, right, in the way they explain things sometimes. But he was talking about how, uh, you know, how that redeemed, we had been emancipated from our, from our sins. We've been redeemed. We've been set free. <clears throat> and so, this, so I'm sitting there thinking about that this week, you know, and I think, you know what? If I had been set free, here's, where the, here's, by the way, where the gospel message comes in. Do you know we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? We've been set free from the penalty of sin. <clears throat> well, what if nobody ever told you you'd been set free from sin? You would still think you're under the penalty. You would still think you're in slavery. If nobody ever told you, you would know you'd been emancipated. Right? And what if you had people telling you all the time, oh, you haven't really been emancipated. You haven't really been set free. Uh, you would begin to think you're still in slavery, even though you'd been set free. And you would act like it. And you might become angry about it, even though you've been set free. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. <clears throat> let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands. I'm going to read the rest of this Ephesians 4. Then I'm going to go back and look at some other things and, and, tie, and tie to this, I trust, uh, as we think about it. Because it's important for us to realize anger that's that is not uh, taken care of by getting rid of it. 
Anger that's not taken care of festers, becomes stronger, becomes more bitter and worse, and it ruins your life. And we see it playing out on the streets of America today. People that are let anger and bitterness ruin their life. <clears throat> you know what? And, you know, if, if it hadn't been told you'd been set free, you're not going to live like you're free. And, and I, heard, I heard a fellow not too long, too long ago, he, was make, he made the comment, he says, people need to live like they've been set free. That'll work. That'll work in grace. It'll work in your natural life. Amen. It'll work in the fact that people have been emancipated in a natural sense here in this nation. You know what the, all they got to do? They got to live like it. They got to live like it. And men, you have been set free from our sins. What you and I are to do is to live like it. Amen. We're to live like I've been set free. So he says, let, no, let him that stole steal no more. You've been set free from this sin. Don't do it anymore. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hand the thing which is good, that he may give to him that needeth. Take these old dirty hands that used to want to steal. Now go work something good for somebody with the same hands. Isn't, isn't God great? God can take old stealing hands and turn them into hands that will do good for people. He'll take an old dirty tongue and he'll take it into something that can speak peace and life and joy to people. Yeah. Woo! I'm telling you, he, he can set you free. Amen. Let no corrupt communications proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. Don't, don't speak things that are going to tear people down. Speak things that are going to build people up. Speak grace to the hearers. Speak goodness to them. Don't be, don't be talking about corrupt communications and that which doesn't edify. Speak things that are good. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. 31. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Get rid of the anger. Get rid of the bitterness. Get rid of the things that come with it. And the malice that goes with all of that. The malice that you hold against other people. The things that you're holding against someone right now. Get rid of it. Amen. Get rid of it. The anger, the bitterness, the wrath, the, with the malice. Ooh, I'm, I'm so angry at you because of what you said and what you did. Get rid of it. It's not going to help you move forward. It's not going to help you get over the things that have affected you in the past. Get rid of it. <clears throat> and be, so what's the answer? Be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, because there's the, there's, the, there's the cure for the, a lot of this stuff, brothers and sisters. Be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. See, because you hear a lot of people say today, I mean, it's not just today, you know, well, they hadn't apologized to me. They never, they never came back and repented even. 
They, ne they never came back and said, I'm sorry for that. <clears throat> so, so, I'm, so I'm still holding it against them. Is that, is that biblical? Is that what the Bible says? The Bible says, be ye kind to one another. We're Christians, right? We put off the old man and putting on the new man. And the new man is made after Christ. And the new man, it says, we're to be not angry and not to be bitter, but we're to be kind to one another. That'll work in your family. That'll work on your job. That'll work in your marriage. That'll work out here in this world that we're living in right now. We're to say we're to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And why, how are we to forgive one another? As God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. My basis of forgiving you when you've wronged me is not. I'm waiting for you to apologize. My reason for giving you is because God forgave me for Christ's sake. God forgave me of my sins, not because I decided one day to repent or confess or say a prayer. He forgave me at the cross 2,000 years ago because Jesus shed his blood for me. My basis for forgiving you is just the same as God's basis for giving me. My basis for forgiving you is that God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven me. So I'm to forgive you for Christ's sake. I'm to forgive you because I'm, you know, I'm not to wait till something has to happen to appease. You know, that's the thing. You know, we get to thinking, I'm the king. So I'm waiting for you to come beg to me, you know, and bow down to me. No, I'm to, I'm to bow down to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and forgive you for Christ's sake, just like I've been forgiven for Christ's sake. Okay, so you get, you get the picture, right? You, forget, you get the picture of what's going on. Let's turn over to Hebrews. I got, let me turn over there real quickly. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12, after the long chapter on all the faithfulness of the saints in chapter 11, uh, after the same scripture that Brother Derek quoted earlier about what scene we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that's set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. And he goes then then to talking about fathers, that how, uh, you know, we've endured the chastening of the fathers, and if we endure chastening from our heavenly Father, we're to do it with the right spirit and the right attitude. When, uh, you know, if God gets on to us, we're to say, God's right. <laughs> so, and he says, and we have fathers that get on to us as well. And he says, and he says this, Verse 9 of Hebrews 12. Furthermore, we had fathers of our flesh which corrected us and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much more rather be sub in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? <clears throat> you know, there's a living, uh, there's a spiritual living that comes when we submit ourselves to the Heavenly Father. And we're subject to His law and to His rule and to His grace 
and to his wrath even, uh, his judgment upon us. And we do that. Uh, he says, uh, uh, for they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure, talking about our natural fathers, but he for our profit. When God chastens us and gets on to us, it, they may, our natural fathers, they may get on to us and they may be wrong from time to time about how they did it, the way they did it, the manner they did it. But God, when God chastens us, God does it for our profit. Uh, and he says uh, uh, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterward it yieldeth the peaceful, peaceable fruit of righteousness, righteousness unto them which are exercised there, uh, thereby. Wherefore, lift up your hand, the hands which hang down and the feeble knees, and make straight your paths, lest that which is a lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed." Follow peace with all, here's verse 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness uh, without which no man shall see the Lord. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. So, so holiness meaning we're to be as, not, we're not to sin. <laughs> holiness is, uh, it would be, uh, uh, holiness would be no sin, okay? So, we're to be as holy or as sinless as it's possible for us that we may see God. The, the, less, the less we're sinning, the, the closer we are to our Heavenly Father. That's what it's trying to say, I think. And he says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Looking diligently, lest any man fail of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, trouble you, where thereby many be, be defiled. You know what defiles us? A root of bitterness that gets into our life. And a lot of times that root of bitterness is brought about by anger in our lives. Let's turn over. I'm going to turn to uh, uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 uh, again, and we'll, we'll see. And I think Brother Derek may have referenced this this morning as well, uh, you know, where uh, the, uh, the, uh, the member that had been uh, committing all types of uh, problems with his father's wife in First Corinthians, the book of First Corinthians, that the uh, the uh, apostle Paul told them to uh, to remove him from their presence, turn him over to Satan, that he might be uh, uh, corrected and, and chastised and so forth. But he tells them here in Second Corinthians chapter two uh, that uh, he's repented and that he's turned back. And he says, they, he says, church, you need to take him back in. Uh, uh, let, and here's, and here's, where the, here's where it comes down to. Let me read this. He says, <clears throat> wherefore, verse, verse uh, 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, wherefore I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. Confirm your love. You were you to never stop loving him. Nothing ever said that because he had gotten off into a severe sin error that suddenly you were just stop loving him. He says, confirm your love toward him. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you whether ye be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. You're going to notice here there's a pattern. And part of the pattern is forgiveness. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Uh, be, uh, uh, put away all these anger, bitterness, wrath, and so forth. And forgive one another as God for Christ. 
Forgiveness is at the heart of getting over anger. So he tells us here, To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgive it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. When you carry on anger and bitterness and wrath and so forth in your heart, Satan gets an advantage of you. Satan is looking all the time. <laughs> He's looking for some way he can get in and bother you and disrupt your spiritual Christian life. And when you let anger carry on too long, Satan gets advantage of you. And you know what he tells you? You've been done wrong. Oh, you've been mistreated. Oh, they didn't do you right. And like I said, you see it playing out on the streets of America today. Sometimes it's probably been truthful. I'm not saying all of these cases that it's all false. I'm just saying we don't have to respond to it in anger and wrath and bitterness ourselves. That's not the option God gives us. The option God gives us is forgiveness. That's the option He gives us. Lest Satan take advantage of you. Lest Satan take it, get advantage of, of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Satan, Satan's got all kinds of tricks up his sleeve, and one of them is looking for you and saying, Woo, look at that. I done found one. I done found one of God's little children letting anger and wrath and bitterness get into them, and I'm going to reach in there, and I'm going to get my hook around them, and I'm going to irritate that all I can and make them feel justified in their anger and their wrath. Forgiveness is a correction for that. All right. I'm going, I'm going, to, I'm going to give you a thought because uh, here's an example. And I want, to, I want to give you an example, a Bible example, and I'm going to summarize it. I, you want to go read it again sometime, I'll let you turn to Genesis chapter 37, and you can read from Genesis 37 through about Genesis 43, 44, and you're going to read about the life of Joseph. Y'all all know about the life of Joseph. It wasn't just that Joseph thought he was mistreated by his brothers. He was mistreated by his brothers. And, and I'm not going to say that in Joseph, in his youth and naivety, might not have played a role in some of that, okay? Because he might have. A, but, but all he did, God gave him a dream. And, and he was so excited about the dream, he told the whole family about it. And the, and the dream was uh, that the sun and the moon and the stars were all going to bow down to him. And that, uh, and that he saw the sheaves of his, uh, of his, brothers, and his uh, brothers and his dad. And, so, and he saw their sheaves bear that, bow down to his sheep. And he, he just told them about it. And it made them mad. And the more they thought about it, the more they meditated upon their anger, they said, you know what? And they saw him coming. Daddy, Daddy done sent him out there to check on the boys and how they were doing with the sheep. And they saw him coming and they said, we'll take care of this little dreamer. We'll fix him up right. We'll just kill him. And you know what? And one of them said, no, 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 don't kill him. <laughs> you know what? But, but they did take him over there and they said, uh, they put him in the pit while they meditated on what they were going to do. Or maybe how they were going to do it. And while he was in the pit, a caravan came by of his cousins, 
the Ishmaelites, <laughs> and, and they carried him off down to Egypt and into slavery. Now, if I'm Joseph, and Joseph, by the way, was in the pit, heard him talking about, what are we going to do with him? You know? And, and so if I'm Joseph, I could have gone down there to Egypt, and while I'm in Potiphar's house, and in Potiphar's house he got mistreated, because the, the, the wife of Potiphar accused him of trying to slip into her in the bedroom, uh, and he wasn't trying to do that. She wanted him, and he wasn't going to play along because was, that was his master's wife. And so she decided she'd get him. She had been rejected. She was offended as a woman uh, that, some, that some man had actually refused her trying to be honorable. And so she took out her wrath on him. And now, so he goes from being a brother to being down in Egypt to being a, a, sl a slave and now into prison. And he hadn't done a thing wrong. And he could have sat there in prison and thought about it day after day. <clears throat> and he could have said, you know what? I'm going to get him." If I ever get out of here, I'm going to eat, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to take care of myself, and when I get out of here one of these days, I'm going back up to Canaan, and I'm going to take care of them brothers and so forth. <clears throat> Instead, every place he went, whether it was Potiphar's house or the prison, he tried to serve God while he was there. And the Bible says the people that were over Potiphar's house, Potiphar, and the prison all recognize God is with this man. God is with this man. How could they have known that? It had to be by the way he acted. It had to be by spirit. Here he is in prison, and he's trying to be a good servant, even in the prison. Right? And, and, and i got to make the story short. Uh, to try to cut this short, you know, for you. But eventually, he tells the dream that the baker, that the uh, uh, that the butler had, and you know, and it gets him out of prison. Two years later, the Bible says he still, and the butler says, "I'll I'll make sure I tell everybody about this when I get out." Two years later, he's still in prison. Joseph could have become angry and bitter. Right? I mean, look, me and you would have probably said, you know what? I've had enough of this. Joseph kept serving the Lord. And eventually, when his brothers came down there, while he put them to trial and to test, he forgave them and wept bitterly over, over all the things that he saw. Joseph forgave them, even though years of his life have been taken away. But you know what? You know why he forgot? You know what Joe, you know what I have to think Joseph thought about? Joseph not only forgave his brothers, but he thought about this. He said, he's down there in that prison. He says, you know, I could be angry and bitter and man, but you know, what if God's in this? What if God's uh, you know, what if God is using this some way to make my life better? What if God is using this to make me a better man? Make me a better person. Make me some. And so Joseph looked at it from that standpoint instead of looking at it from, look what's happened to me. Forgiveness, my friends, keeps you from being angry and bitter about life and destroying your life and destroying those around you. May God bless you to be a better disciple and not be angry and bitter about life. <clears throat>